I want to say uh, that those those four domains are very important: the mental, social, spiritual, and physical. You know, um, but but cling on to your family. And you said it earlier, Chris, where um, surround yourself around those those leaders, those people, because that's gonna that's gonna mean more who you are. And again, going back to my mentor, um, he put on my first feedback form: you can't soar with the eagles if you hang around turkeys. All right, thanks everybody. Welcome back. Yeah, it's been a while since our last podcast. Yes, indeed. And uh, we've got another amazing guest. Yes. And this week we sat down with, or recently we sat down with John Chacon, Mm -hmm. who is a chief master sergeant in the Air Force and a good friend of ours that we've known for for a while through some of the resiliency training we've been doing. And we also had his wife, Brandy, along with with him. That's right. So John isn't just a great uh, leader in the Air Force. He's someone that just really wants to get information and resources and and tips and training out to anyone who'll take it. Like he said, uh, he just really wants to help warriors in any way that he can. And he sees first responders as frontline sheepdogs that are, you know, doing it every single day. And he really wants to do his part to help uh, our country be stronger and and better. That's right. So he's actually headed off to Okinawa. We're Mm -hmm. we're losing him from Conus for a little while. A week from today. That's right. uh, Mm -hmm. So we'll look forward to getting back together with them when when John and Brandy get back home. Yeah, John, a little bit about his background. He was a trainer uh, in the pararescue program. He was a, he started out as a civil engineer, um, but has had some really interesting positions with the Air Force. That's right. He served with, uh, alongside the 101st in Afghanistan and went through firefights with those guys. And, uh, you know, a lot of them didn't make it home and that really affected John and has helped make him be the person that he is today. Um, and then he was, uh, like we said, the commandant of the Airman Leadership School at the Air Force uh, Training Center in Lackland Air, at Lackland Air Force Base, which is where we had the uh, distinct honor and privilege of getting to work with and know this amazing leader. So enjoy the podcast. That's right. Ready for a good one. Hello and welcome to the Forge Resilience Podcast. Here we're going to be talking to experts in the field and true heroes that understand the impact of mental and physical resilience for first responders. Hi, my name is Lacey Wolf. And I'm Chris Wolf. And we're a first responder family dedicated to improving the lives of first responders through education and training. Lacey is an exercise physiologist that specializes in mental resilience. And Chris is a professional firefighter that has a background in outdoor education. really great to sit down and talk with you and I think the great thing about this podcast is that we can share these experiences and the conversations that we have. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. This is a great, man, we'd be hard pressed to pick a better person to get on here. Um, So can you talk a little bit about your military experience, all of the positions that you've held up to this point? I know you're in a pretty senior ranking leadership position right now. How did you get here? Sure, absolutely. Uh, First and foremost, thank you, uh, Chris and Lacey. Uh, for the invite, I brought my wife Brandy along. You know, uh, for this, she's been a big uh, supporter throughout my career. Um, as a matter of fact, we did a BMT graduation this morning um, there at Lackland, so it brought back memories. Going. And that's y'all's old stomping ground. Old. How long were you both at Lackland for? Five years. Oh, that's Five great. Years. Yep, 2012 to 17. And you're in Holloman now, out in the desert. Out at Holloman Air Force Base mm-hmm. in New Mexico. Yeah. Yep. How do you like it? Yeah. 
Oh, we, we love it. It's That's a great. smaller town, no traffic. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I feel like you two, or I just know Brandy from the little bit that I heard about her, but uh, she's married to you. So I figure when you're that resilient, you're going to like wherever you're at. <laughs> And that's kind of one of the benefits, especially for a military family, is you never know where you're going to get sent. Exactly. So you make the most of it. Make the most of it, and we just found out we're on our way to Okinawa, Japan. Oh, so. my gosh. I heard about that. Yeah. That was always my dream, to get out to Okinawa. So, oh, yeah. so lucky. Maybe when I'm done with the fire department, we'll jump back in. <laughs> yeah. And go Maybe back we'll just come there. visit you guys. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Do you guys scuba dive? We, no, will. we will. Right. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Get with, get with the MWR people there out there. You go. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So tell us about where did you start yes. in the Air Force and then how did you get to where you are today? Do you have aspirations of being a leader? or? Uh, well, I would say uh, that didn't hit me till later. So I came yeah. in about 23 years ago in 1996 mm-hmm. um, and from there got selected to be a civil engineer and was just content just doing my job as, a, as an engineer. It wasn't until I got picked up to go um, work as a military military training leader for the pararescue and combat rescue, rescue officer school. And that's where I met uh, my mentor at the same time, uh, married Brandy during that same time frame. And that was sort of the switch. So I tell people I came in in 1996, but I didn't become an airman until about 2006. Wow. Wow, um, yeah. So working with those guys just really... Uh, um, like I said, my mentor, Chief Colon Lopez, just got me started on the right track. And then from there, went back to a civil engineer career field and for, did that for about four more years and then went to, to teach professional military education to non-commissioned officers and then later on to, mm-hmm. uh, to staff sergeants in the Airman Leadership School. Yeah. So. Which is where we got to meet you. Exactly. And uh, I mean, I just, I don't want to like goad on you too much or anything, but I'm a teacher. Uh, I teach all kinds of things from scuba diving to snowboarding to, uh, and you and your team, you kind of had, did you handpick those folks or? Yes. I hired all the the team that taught the resilience and taught it to you all. I mean, you guys were just coming, firing on all cylinders and and those guys came in just to teach us. They didn't have to be there. Correct. And uh, man, it was amazing. Yeah, so uh, let's talk a little bit about that so that we can be kind of clarify what we're talking about. Um, basically, when I was working for the Texas Department of Public Safety, um, my partner, Melvin Alec, we'd been working together on a resiliency program. We connected with you at the Airman Leadership School and you said, bring your folks down and we can train you in the comprehensive Airman Fitness model. And we have a training already going on, bring some of your people in. And um, I found that really interesting because your airmen were young. Like, mm-hmm. what, how they old were, were they uh, at the time? I want to say the youngest one was probably about 22. Yeah, about 22. And so they're teaching folks that are, some of us, like of twice their age, yeah, a lot right. of life experience. And they handle themselves with a lot of poise, um, poise mm-hmm. and gravitas that was incredible. Um, and I know that you had a big role in kind of giving them confidence to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really a, a phenomenal experience for us to right. come in and see how you really built that program up. Yeah, and I, and I want to say, like, when it came to, to teaching and even having the 22-year-olds or the young NCOs mm-hmm. teach, I always taught them to teach the skills, but they have to live and apply the skills, right? So then later right. on, they can go and, and teach the skills after mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so. absolutely. And they did that. It, and they it did. It really did seem like they were embracing those skills and talking about them outside of class. And Yes, yeah. and I think it's their personal stories that add to the to the teaching. Absolutely. Each, each one of them went through some sort of resilience mm-hmm. um, or adversity, you know, and kind of built on their resilience. Absolutely. 
Um, so you talked a little bit about your mentor. Can you tell us more about your mentor and how you were mentored along the way? Sure. This is, uh, this is the, the guy, Chief Colon Lopez, who told me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> okay. um, I was a guy that didn't want to go to school, didn't want to volunteer. And, and uh, he actually gave me feedback, said, these are the things you need to do. And, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to do them at first. And I went home and talked to Brandy and said, um, can you believe, you know, this guy wants me to do this and that? She said, well, just hey, do, it. do give, it. Just do it. Give it a shot. Job great baby. advice. <laughs> yeah, great advice. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me, you yeah. know. And I just believed in this guy and, and uh, just, like I said, just a, a great overall person. And he's a guy, like I said, that told me what I needed to hear. He didn't he didn't stroke my ego or anything like that. Just yeah. uh, That's a great take home for anyone that's, that wants to be a leader in their organization. And, and I only know really Department of Defense or, or first responders, but I guess it would apply to any industry. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to make a difference, become a mentor to someone coming up. Sure. And he took it that step further. You know, uh, he, he called it carnivore leadership. Uh -huh. You know, and people think of a carnivore being aggressive, assertive, sure, yeah. but to him it meant uh, loyalty, commitment, you know, and wow. and yeah. doing the right thing all the time, not just when when it's convenient for you, but it was it was if you're gonna talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk, and mm -hmm. and he definitely did, and that's what I I strive to do uh, from that day on. So. Yeah, yeah, if you're gonna be the alpha wolf in the pack. You gotta, you gotta be it twenty four seven or the alpha sheepdog, right? There you exactly. go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so we we got to hear you speak in the uh, comprehensive airman uh, courses, and you talked a little bit about your combat experience when you were attached to the hundred first airborne um, unit. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Um, sure. Um, like I said earlier in that career, um, working with uh, with those guys from Special Ops, just being a, a military training leader for them, it was all about a mindset. And even then, you know, my job wasn't all about being combat or, or being that, that warrior, that mindset. Um, but my mentor kind of instilled it in me. And sure enough, I deployed and, and they attached me to an infantry team. Mm -hmm. um, was with the 101st uh, 2nd Battalion Task Force No Slack. And that was from September 2010 to March 2011. Wow, that's you know. a long time to be down there with those guys. And y'all were in Afghanistan. We were in Afghanistan up in the Kunar province, mm -hmm. uh, which is probably one of the, the dangerous places mm -hmm. on earth, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, being with those guys, and I remember my first uh, firefight being in 28 December 2010, and just remember it vivid just like it was yesterday you know the the steps you go through and everything and mm -hmm. and after that i mean these guys just became my brothers you know after going through that combat after going yeah. through that that one experience one everything kicked in every mentoring session that i had with chief colon lopez about being that warrior going out there you know and and not just that confidence went up you know um that brotherhood the esprit de corps i mean there's just there's just nothing like it mm. um did you um you said you kind of transitioned back to home life pretty well for a while and then you kind of hit a, a slump can you, can you talk a little bit about where that happened had you already been through the resiliency training or was that pre-resiliency training both so okay. so i came home in 2011 and still kept in contact with some of my buddies um, it was actually two weeks before Operation Strong Eagle 3, and I had gotten word that, that six of our guys from Task Force No Slack, um, to include our platoon sergeant, um, had been killed in action uh, mm. 29 March 2011. Yeah. But I just kept working. I mean, it, it, it really it hit me. Um, 
but I just kept working. I mean, really kept my mind off of it, went home. At the same time, we were getting ready to move um, to San Antonio to work, so I never really had time to really think about it, um, about everything that went on. What did you notice first, Brandy, if you don't mind kind of talking about that? I mean, you don't have to, but maybe. <laughs> well, it was a little bit of everything, just his body language, his actions, like he just wasn't doing the normal things when he came home. Mm-hmm. And I could understand if it was like one day, um, you know, I had a bad day to want to talk, but no, it wasn't like that. It was just uh, like one week of just abnormal behaviors, like just coming home and wanting to sit down or just wanting to sleep a lot. Right. Or just pulling away from things. Like we're an active family. Our boys like to play basketball, so we make it a point to go play basketball with them. So we play on Sundays, go uh-huh. to the gym, and we play. And he was just losing interest in things that he's normally mm-hmm. interested in. And, like, it was just, like, these common signs of depression. And at the same time, I was kind of like, well, no, because, you know, he's so positive. Like, I can't think of him being depressed. But, yes, it, it can happen to anyone. So I noticed that right away and um, talked to him. And then he didn't really want to talk to me or and nothing was really making sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I was thinking, well, I need to reach out to somebody who's been there. And so I had to talk to somebody who's been through combat before, who is active duty and who he trusted. So I made a phone call and I put it in his hands because I trusted him wholly. And I was like, was that a friend of yours? Yes. Well, it was a colleague of John's, uh-huh. but a friend of mine too, um, that we had gotten to know over time being in San Antonio. So mm-hmm. it was really neat to be able to call him and he was like, okay, what can I do? I'll be there right now, you know, and he, mm. I said, well, you need to reach out to him because, you know, he needs to be in the loop and you need to explain it to him the way you would because the way that I would explain something to him would come across differently than our friends. Absolutely. Listen, I, I want to help you. Um, mm-hmm. So, and he was open to it because of that. Like if it was just somebody, if I were to call a stranger who is book smart and had never gone through it, he would probably just shut down and not talk at right. all. So it's great that we had that resource. That really um, reinforces the peer-to-peer um, a whole philosophy that if it's coming from a peer and someone who's been where you've been, it's going to be a lot more effective than you know having necessarily you know one of us come up or right. um, super relatable. Yeah. So a counselor isn't always the person that you want to talk to first. Where you got to have that bridge person maybe to get you there. How, how was that, um, Joan? Like that bridge between your your work friend that, that got you to the counselor was that pretty seamless? Yeah. After that, I mean, I, I got some some help and definitely worked with the uh, University of uh, Texas. Actually, they had All a right. study for for Iraqi freedom and enduring freedom veterans and it, you know they, they kind of let me talk about things and, mm-hmm. and it was great I'm going to tell you what very refreshing and you've got to be deliberate um, when you do it because you can always say well you know I um, a couple of weeks ago I ran a Pat Tillman run it was a 4.2 mile run mm-hmm. you know and I can easily say well I ran 4.2 miles why yeah. don't I just skip uh, two weeks of working out you know so but you can you, you've got to Set your daily schedule, set your your weekly schedule, your monthly. Brandy's done a great job at planning our vacations when we get to do our quality time. That's um, great. But it's not just the big vacation. She she plans the little things as well, you know, throughout the week. Um, don't forget the kids have an award ceremony. Make sure you go to that. 
And like I said, my leadership has been great with it. So I want to be that same leader to allow my airmen, uh, my troops to be able to go visit with their families if it's first day of school right. or award ceremonies, things like Hit that. Hit those you, pillars. You, you have to be deliberate in, the, in that development because mm -hmm. that's what's going to keep you in tune if we're going to talk about harmony versus balance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. My platoon sergeant used to have the term when and then. When this happens, then this is how I'm going to react. Yeah, And we would win and then every situation, whether it were a firefight or just going to dinner as a team, you know, when this happens and this is how I'm going to react. Um, if you're going to freeze and, and cry, um, that's not what we want. That's not what we need. That's when bad things happen. So when we get attacked, then you need to know what your job is and what you've got to do. So. Yeah, prepare your mind Absolutely. for your body. Another thing that I feel really strongly about is so... In a tactical environment, whether it's you know in the Air Force or, or downrange in a firefight or on the fire ground, uh, we're trained to win and then it, like you said. Well, what I think people need to do is start winning and then it back at home. Mm -hmm. You walk in the front door, you know, things are crazy. Hey, I, I know the kids might, you know, I've got, I'm going in 10 different directions. I'm not going to freak out about it. No. Oh, absolutely. I think I learned a lot when I went through Lacey and Melvin's course and Lacey talked about learning to decompress. You know, um, a lot of times I was just going straight home from work and uh, me and Matt and Scotty Lee, we would sit back at work and talk about nothing, nothing about work. We'd talk about family, friends, and about 30 minutes later we would go home and that was a big difference. We, we started to, all right, when we go through the house, you know, it's, we're going to feel uh, invited by the family and, and keep work of, off of our mind. So you're absolutely right, Chris. You, the when and then at work, I think we can do those things. I think it's at home is where we struggle and uh, you've got to be deliberate. We talked about the sheepdog principle, Colonel Dave Grossman. Uh, can you explain that to people that might not have heard it or read his books? Sure. So uh, I was, uh, I, somebody asked me to read On Combat because I was going through some, some things and through combat. And I read the book On Combat and it was great. I mean, it just changed the, the way I thought about things. Well, in there, there's a chapter on the sheepdog. Colonel Grossman said he, he got it from a Vietnam veteran. And in there, you talk about the sheep, you know, who are compassionate people. Um, but they're hunted by the wolves. You right, know, you got the wolves out there in society. They're out there in society and not just deployed, but all over our country, you know, um, active shooters, you hear about them all the time. But then you have that 1% who's there to protect uh, the flock from the wolf, and that is the sheepdog. You know, so when I read that and I saw it, I was like, wow, that is me. That, that yeah. just fit my mantra, and, and I use that all the time in every mm -hmm. situation. And, uh, of course, you know, uh, every... Every sheepdog has a shepherd and to watch over the sheep, and our, our Lord is our shepherd. So mm -hmm. I took it just that one step further and, and just believe in the whole sheepdog mindset. Mm -hmm. You got a great sheepdog sticker on your Jeep. That's, that's a great Jeep, which oh. you drove all the way from New Mexico. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually got a new sticker on there. Master Sergeant Scotty Lee made oh, me really? a yeah. Since I just got promoted to Chief Master Sergeant, He uh, there's a sheepdog paw with a chief inside with some oh, Chief Master Sergeant oh, stripes. That's great. Yeah. There it is. Oh. That's awesome. Awesome. That looks yeah. good. Wow. That's, That's big good. time. Um, well, I'm not man, sure I understand. Watch your watch, I think. Oh. Didn't know I was talking to Smart watch. watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks I'm talking to her. Um, what did we? I, I wanted to circle back also on the fact that we were able to kind of pull together the FBI National Academy training, the DPS training. And I mean, you were the catalyst for all that happening. If it weren't for you and your team of airmen that trained us, 
Um, it has literally led to probably thousands of people at this point getting this training so far, and that continues to grow and have right. that ripple effect. Um, was, did you think that was going to happen when you guys volunteered your time to go out there and teach this group of people? So we've been teaching leadership to non-commissioned officers, and we've seen it happen in the Air Force with our non-commissioned officers teaching professional military education. So we were hoping the same thing would take off. and. Uh, I'm gonna tell you, I was uh, just pleased when you when we got those police chiefs in, or uh, I know we had yoga for first responders yep. in, and, mm -hmm. and some uh, Pflugerville Fire Department Pflugerville was represented. Fire That's Department, right. absolutely. So we've had different people attend that wanted to be there and wanted those things, and it just made it a lot better. So you can feel that that de deliberate development in leaders. And I knew that when you develop leaders, they're going to go out and develop other leaders. So mm -hmm. um, I didn't know it was going to take off as much as it did. But I'm on LinkedIn with a lot of uh, those folks, and when I see yeah. the things that they're doing, um, I, I don't even care if they remember me, but they remember the sheepdog story, and, and they remember resilience. I was going to oh, say they because, you. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. people teaching that course in Hawaii and uh, New York and Vancouver is next, Canada, and so. yeah, they're they're all over the place. It's it's an incredible um, what a legacy, of, yeah, a great ripple. Mm -hmm. yep. So we're going to partner with the National Command and Staff College as well, and. And hopefully uh, you two can jump on the team and, and help and help them out. I'm going uh, next weekend to go to uh, Raleigh in North Carolina to go teach a one day course. And they already they want to take it one step further. Um, the resilience piece. They want to do the the after the the post uh, work that you do in resilience. So uh, I'm like, yeah, count me in. You know. What I love about that course is that it forces people to think about their own life versus you feeding them all the information that people are actually doing that work themselves. I think that's what sets that part, that course apart from a lot of the trainings that I've been to. Sure, and I, I think people do a lot of the resilience tools already. We just give them terms on things that they already do. Right, like we talked about in marriage, um, you know, if both parties have had the training, then you're going to have a whole new lexicon way to talk about, that's you right. know, Chris and I talk about our cognitive distortions all the time <laughs> at home. <laughs> <laughs> Something that you said earlier was uh, that that team that you brought in to volunteer their time to come and teach us. You said that they had to apply those resilience principles in their lives. And um, do you think you would be as effective if you hadn't gone through the depression, the PTSD that you went through coming off of uh, that combat deployment? Sure. That's another big part is I think you've got to believe in it. You may not necessarily have to go through anything traumatic to do it. If you believe in these concepts, they will work. I think I had to go through it, um, but I think it's helped out. You know, even as a senior leader in the Air Force, um, a lot of the airmen will, they sometimes they refuse to get help. But when they've seen that a senior leader has went to go get help and has made it through and, and been successful, um, then they're more apt to go get that help as well. So I think me going through it, um, it adds credibility to, to the course as well. Mm -hmm. So when you go through resilience, you go through anything adverse, what they teach you is you live with a new normal. Mm -hmm. Most people think they're going to go back to way the, the way the things were. Well, you really don't. You go back to mm -hmm. a new normal and you learn to live with those things. And, and you kind of live with, uh, like I said, for me, it wasn't uh, being in combat or being in a firefight. It was losing my friends, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think survivor's uh, remorse is probably one of the hardest things that we got to live with. And mm -hmm. not one day goes by that I don't think about those guys. I wear my, my killed in action bracelet for them, you know, mm -hmm. um, given to me by uh, one of the Gold Star families, Staff Sergeant Brian Burgess's dad, Terry and, and Beth Burgess. 
um, gave it to me, you know. So it, it means a lot um, that they're out there. So I think of the families and, uh, and those guys every day. Live for them. Live for yeah. them, exactly. I think I'm here because of them, and, and uh, I, I want to make every day count. So. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, you truly inspire us to to be better people. <laughs> I love I love getting to talk to you, and this could go on. Yeah, for hours, hopefully but... we can get to do a lot more. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I want to leave you with one last thing. You know, if you could read through the microphone and uh, make an impact with I don't know the the dozens of people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, I don't know any last tips or word of advice you'd give. Sure, absolutely. I want to say uh, that those those four domains are very important the mental social spiritual and physical you know um but but cling on to your family and you said it earlier chris where um surround yourself around those those leaders those people because that's gonna that's gonna mean more who you are and again going back to my mentor um he put on my first feedback form you can't soar with the eagles if you hang around turkeys so um just being around people that just want to do better will make you want to do better that's right and, and make you more resilient so thanks Lacey, chris thank yeah you. Thanks, Randy. Randy. thank you so much for coming on you guys are the best yeah All thanks right. for carving yeah. some time yeah. out yeah, to talk to you. us we'll right. have to uh should we do a selfie yeah definitely <laughs> definitely All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this podcast. Yeah, it was a great one. I don't know if you noticed, we were we actually recorded that in the Austin Library. Uh, so there were a couple times where they told us the library is about to close. Thanks yep. to Lacey's editing. You're going to have to get it, get out of here. That's right. <laughs> it would have been a much longer podcast if yes, the library indeed. not kicked us out. Which is a good thing. Yeah. Also, you can check out uh, the selfie that we took as well as a couple others with John and Brandy. On, uh, our, on our webpage. Yeah, in the Austin Library. So... Check it out. If you want to learn more uh, about anything that's going on there that we talked about with uh, Sheepdog, or if you want to get a sticker that uh, John has got on his Jeep, get in touch and we'll let you know how to do it. Uh, Forge-Resilience.com. 